This is Stephen Strang, and welcome to the Strang Report podcast. Today, I am interviewing a secular journalist with a warning for Christians in her new book. Her name is Cheryl Chumley, and she's probably best known as the online opinion editor at the Washington Times, and she's written a new book called Lockdown, The Socialist Plan to Take Away Your Freedom. This is an important podcast. You want to stay tuned. Welcome to the Strang Report with Stephen Strang, the founder of Charisma. This podcast is to encourage you to experience the power of the Holy Spirit and to discuss spiritual issues facing the church, our nation, and the world. Welcome back, everyone. And Cheryl, thank you for fitting me in. I know you have a busy schedule. I got tired just reading your long resume and all the shows you're on and your podcast and the books you write. And, um, you know, your credits include The Blaze, not only The Washington Times where you work, but The Washington Examiner, The Heritage Foundation, The Heartland Institute, Life Set, C-SPAN, CBN, Michael Savage Radio, Newsmax, Steve Bannon's War Room. How in the world do you have time for all this? Stephen, it's great to be with you, and thank you so much. And, um, you know, honestly, I think people have time to do lots of stuff if they if they um, just put their time in God's hands at the beginning of the day, right? He orders it for you. Well, I certainly believe that. And your last book, Socialists Don't Sleep, Christians Must Rise or America Will Fall, that certainly I believe in. And I actually downloaded your book and have started reading it. I need to get Thank the you. new one, the lockdown, the socialist plan to take away your freedom. You know, I've been saying some of those kinds of things here. You've uh, articulated in a book. Tell me when the book came out and what prompted you to write it. Well, my, my latest book came out um, early May of this year. And it's interesting because it was supposed to come out in November of last year, but due to the lockdown and all the supply chain issues, it kept getting delayed like so many books are this uh, this day. But um, I wrote it because for over two years, I spent writing critically about the government's use of the coronavirus to clamp down on individual freedoms, uh, using fear, exploiting fear, and telling outright deceptions and lies about the so-called science that went into some of the uh, justifications they used to clamp individual liberties. And so I I wrote the book based on some of the behind-scenes discussions and agendas that were unreported or underreported to justify these clampdowns. And more importantly, I look forward at how the left is going to continue to use the coronavirus and health emergencies to continue to steal individual liberties from Americans. You know, you said a mouthful, and what you said is very, very serious, and most people probably hear it, and it sort of goes in one ear ear and out the other, such as, uh, oh, that will never happen. Uh, But, you know, we said that about gay marriage 15 years ago and a lot of other things. But I believe the lockdown was very dangerous because, uh, first of all, the coronavirus wasn't nearly as bad as they said. You know, they at first it, they made it sound like millions were going to die very quickly. 
almost like the bubonic plague in Europe, you know, centuries ago, that did not happen. Uh, but they did clamp down on, on freedom. And it, and it wasn't just the freedom to have your restaurant open. It had to do with religious freedoms, which as a Christian, I'm most concerned about. But, you know, how could it be that you were in danger of being a super spreader if you saw someone at church and passed them in the aisle, but if you passed them in the aisle at the supermarket, that was okay, or that it was somehow dangerous to sing in church, yet in California they allowed uh, movie productions and TV shows to go on, which would have included singing and other things like that. I mean, it's just ludicrous. They clamped down on Christian people, and one of the concerns that I have is they saw how passively most people went along with it. And my question is, it's a virus today. What is the government going to use next time to clamp down on our freedoms? So you you rightly point out the big perils going forward, right? If what happened under the coronavirus was something that most Americans couldn't believe could ever happen in America and yet did, think of what's coming down the pike. Because Democrats, with their partners in big pharma, with their partners in the global governments like the World Economic Forum and the United Nations and the World Health Organization, are not going to let go this crisis that they, in large part, created by pushing fear through the media, through their leftist partners in the media. And aside from the churches shutting down, which was a huge red flag to me about how far this nation has turned from its founding father vision of rights coming from God and government only being in place to protect and preserve the God-given rights, the red flag that came when churches bowed down to government dictates, that's just opening the door for even more leftist-fueled seizures of individual liberties to come. And most of what was called science and data during the last couple years ended up being, if you just waited even a day in some instances, ended up being lies and deceptions and just fueled by fear, by exploiting ignorant Americans' fears or fears from those who have no belief in God. And so they're fearful of whatever their government tells them to be afraid of. And so if you look ahead at where this is leading, it's very alarming because the last wall to a global takeover of citizens' rights was America because Americans, by and large, knew that their rights came from God and that government couldn't strip them of those rights. Well, with the churches closing on government demand, that kind of removes that wall. And America has become, in essence, like any other country in the world, just a plot of land. And we see what happened in Canada. And Canada, of course, is just across our border. It's not that different than America. When you drive up there and talk to people, their accents even pretty much alike. You know, their cities are alike. It's a little bit colder, uh, but uh, (laughs) that's the main difference. Um, And I know that when you tease a Canadian that it's like the 51st state, they always get up in arms. But we, I mean, Canada went way beyond. And when those truckers stood up for their rights, 
the, the government was closing their bank accounts and doing all kinds of other things. They have all kinds of restrictive laws that thankfully we do not have in our country. But, you know, why did Canada end up like that? I mean, a, a very, very uh, similar uh, history in the sense, you know, both from Britain, uh, a country of immigrants and so forth. So it's alarming. And I'm glad that there are people like you who are sounding the alarm because uh, many people aren't. Now, sounding the alarm and people waking up is probably the first step. But tell me what people will learn from reading your book and then what do they do? How do we turn this? It's one thing to uh, curse the darkness, but how do we light a light? Well, I, I think my answer to that is in my previous most written book, uh, Socialists Don't Sleep, Christians Must Rise or America Will Fall, because that outlaw, out, uh, lays out the problem and solution just in the title. And it hasn't changed between socialists don't sleep and lockdown. The solution for this country, for this, for the long-term success of freedoms in this country, has to come from the Christian community, because this nation was founded on the idea of religious freedom. This nation was founded on the concept of rights coming from God. And if you take God out of the public arena, like the left has been busily trying to do for decades now, and how they've seen success, especially over the last couple of years, just look at the polls, the rise of nuns, the, the less frequent attendance at church and so forth, uh, the, the falling numbers of Americans who believe in God. If, if you look at how that trend is going in America, then it just opens the door for bigger government to come in. And this is w why America is uh, where we stand right now, with big government dominating over godly people. And our culture is suffering, right? We have a moral degradation in, in our culture, which is feeding into the political system and degrading our political system. And as the chaos grows and swells, government then steps in and pretends as if it's the savior of what's taking place in America. So if we want the long-term freedoms to uh, stay in America. It has to come from the base that understands God. It has to come from those who believe in God. We have to get more and more involved in the political and cultural system, which is something that a lot of believers don't want to do. Well, I agree with you on that. You talk about the people who are nuns, and we're not talking about Catholic sisters. It's N-O-N-E. They're, they're, you know, no religion at all. And the dwindling um, attendance rate, um, you know, when I was a kid, the only drug problem my brother and sister and I had is we were drugged to church all the time. I mean, every time the, <laughs> the church doors were open and even in my own family, I don't attend church three times a week like we did when I was a kid. That was kind of the norm in our religious circles. But um and, you know, the apathy in the church is just amazing, as we've, you know, referred to numerous times. I wonder, do you see any glimmers of hope at all? I, I do, and I'm just wanting to know your opinion. 
Well, uh, I'm a Christian, so of course I, I do. I, I do have optimism, uh, not just for believers, but for the fate of America. And in part, it comes from recent Supreme Court decisions. The idea that Roe v. Wade was pushed back into the states to decide is a huge step forward for the faith community that's been fighting against abortion in America since it was legalized. So this is a great opportunity for those who believe in life over death to fight in their respective states and roll back something that's an egregious offense against humanity and God, the killing of the unborn. And so that that's a moment of hope. That tells me that God is still working in America. I see hope, too, over the last couple of years of the coronavirus where kids in schools were forced to stay home and study online and parents were finally awakened to the uh, horrors of what some in the socialist movement, the, the leftist and Marxist side of things, were teaching their kids in the public school system. And they fought back. In my own state of Virginia, we saw the pragmatic outcome of that backlash from these parents resulting in Republican sweeps in the last elections. And so this can happen in individual states. We've seen Republican governors around the nation band together and and fight for those conservative principles that are in line with Christian and biblical viewpoints as well. And honestly, the the more open and bold that the left gets and taking to the streets with their thuggish behavior is actually a good thing because it puts a face on the enemy. It, when, when you don't know who the enemy is, when it's sort of a shadowy uncertainty and it's just kind of something that floats out there, but you don't know how to fight it because there's no face to it. Well, we're seeing it now. We're seeing the transgender movement reveal itself for the utter evil in, that, that marks it with these videos that show little kids stuffing dollar bills or handing dollar bills to transgenders performing in bars that their own parents took them to. And so things like this, as they get more and more revealed, these are opportunities for those of moral compasses to actually identify the evil and fight effectively. Boy, that's so well said. And, you know, I'll just add to it that even with the coronavirus shutdown, there were pastors who got a backbone um, in many places, but it was most obvious in California, which was worse than most of the states, where they not only said you can't go to church and so forth, they put horrific uh, fines and jail terms. Um, in my own state of Florida, in Tampa, my longtime friend Rodney Howard Brown, who pastors the river, was the first clergyman in America to go to jail or be, he was arrested and actually he spent an hour or two in jail before I guess he got uh, bond. Uh, and his offense was holding a church service. That was it. It was early in the COVID uh, lockdown and they did everything they could to sanitize and be careful and they notified the authorities what they were doing and they actually came to his home and took him away in handcuffs. Now, thankfully, um, as soon as the state of Florida and Hillsborough County realized that this had happened, they backpedaled. That was unlike 
California, where they actually doubled down. Uh, the city of Pasadena put a fine of $1,000 per person per church service. And actually, hundreds of people came from around the country to stand with uh, Che On, who's the pastor of Harvest Time, who's the one who stood up along with a few other pastors. It finally went to the Supreme Court. The Supreme Court thankfully ruled in favor of religious liberty. But, you know, people throw around the term First Amendment rights, and when journalists do it, of course, they are talking about freedom of the press, but freedom of religion is the first one, and also freedom of assembly. There are two rights that are violated by shutting down churches, and our constitutional rights do not end when there's a crisis. It just doesn't. And I think that a lot of people, their eyes were open, just as you said, but it's going to take more. This is a fight. It didn't start with coronavirus. It's been going on for years. A lot of us had a hard time believing it was as bad as it is, and you're, you're absolutely right. The other side is, is showing their real colors. So I hope people will buy your book, Lockdown, The Socialist Plan to Take Away your freedom. Let's focus a little for just a few minutes in this short podcast on your use of the word socialist, because this used to be a term that you almost never heard in America. And if you did, Americans kind of looked down on it. You know, there was always a, some socialist person who ran for president. Nobody even knew their name because it was considered just ridiculous. Now uh, we have socialists uh, running Bernie Sanders being the best example, um, but really there are a lot of socialists who don't use that term because it is still somewhat unpopular. But why did you use that term socialist? What did you mean? Well, in Socialists Don't Sleep, I, I took a look at the actual platforms of the Democrat Party, the Socialist Party, the Progressive Party, um, the Republican Party and a couple others. And what was interesting is that only the Republican Party stood separate and apart. All the other parties were pretty much the same in their goals, agendas, platforms, and intents. Just they used different language, and they also had a different speed at which they brought about their ultimate communist takeover, because it's all leading us down the path toward communism or collectivism. And so if, if you look at what Democrats nowadays stand for, first and foremost, Tom Perez, who is the head of the DNC, said a couple years ago that Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez, who is a proud, loud, uh, open socialist, that she would be the face of the, the new Democrat Party. And if you look at the agenda of the Democrat Party, what they fight for, what they stand for, is more in line with socialism, which is basically government controlling the production uh, and, and creation of things and pretending as if individuals still maintain ownership of it. But if you look at what's taken place in America, we We've seen so much movement towards socialism, but we just don't call it that. You just pointed out that there are many in politics, like Bernie Sanders, who are socialists, but they don't call themselves that. Well, that's how it is in America with our agendas and, and a lot of our uh, campaigns and so forth, a lot of our legislation, a lot of our structures and foundations very much socialist now. We're just not calling it that. And so when I use the word socialist, 
you know, there's always some scholar who comes over to me and says, well, that's not really socialism because you still have blah, 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 yada, yada. And in the end, my main premise here is that it doesn't matter if it's socialist versus progressivism versus communism, the, the evil here is collectivism, which stands in conflict with individualism, which is what America is based upon. So if somebody calls something socialist versus progressive versus communist, it really doesn't matter if it's all aligned with collectivism and it all stands against the Constitution. And we haven't even gotten into the big reset, which uh, global elites, the one world government type of people are saying should happen and will happen and uh, throwing around things such as there will be no private uh, ownership of property by a certain year. I've heard uh, 2030 and someone else said 2050 and then this and people will be happy with it. I mean – we, it's hard for me to even imagine such a thing, but the fact that these leaders would even say it publicly, letting everyone know what they think, and then, you know, the problem is the populist either doesn't know they said it or they just, you know, have the attitude mentioned before that all oh, of this will never happen. But we have to wake up. We have to wake up. We will lose our freedoms. Once we lose the freedoms, how in the world do you get them back? And, um, so thank you for standing up. Uh, tell people how they can connect with you, your website, all that good stuff. Oh, sure. Um, well, you can find me daily at The Washington Times and read my stuff there or listen to my Bold and Blunt podcast there. You can go to CherylChumley.com, and I have links to all my books along with the endorsements. And you can also find my books at um, Amazon, Barnes & Noble, Books A Million, and find me on Twitter and Parlor, and now Truth, um, Truth Social at C.K. Chumley. That's great, and thank you for standing up. We need more people like you in America. I'm going to encourage my listeners to share this podcast. That's how we get the word out. But people that you know that are concerned or should be concerned about individual freedoms, they need to know about Cheryl Chumley. They need to follow her as I am and will continue to do. So thank you, Cheryl, for being on my podcast today. Thank you for my listeners for tuning in. Again, it's people like you that make my podcast grow. We've just passed 16 million downloads. And... Um, I hope this one goes viral because this is a message that needs to get out far and wide. It's amazing for you, and thank you for all you do for your fight for America. God bless. Well, thank you. And thank you to my listeners for tuning in to The Strang Report. Tune in again tomorrow for another episode on the Charisma Podcast Network. God bless you. Thank you for listening to The Strang Report with Stephen Strang. Stay up to date with the latest episodes by subscribing on your favorite podcast app and at cpnshows.com. Get the latest reports delivered directly to your inbox by subscribing at strangreport.com. Strangreport.com.